This is The Guardian. Today, we meet the police officers trialling a new way of investigating rape. If this is a sensitive issue for you, please take care when you're listening. It's 8am and my colleague Lexi Topping and I are being led through a police station in Bridgewater in Somerset. In the atrium of this vast glass and steel space, uniformed officers walk past us on their way out to patrol and plainclothes detectives huddle around the desks discussing the cases they're working on. Sadly, a couple incidents of rape, one within the Bluestone pilot area, which we'll go into talk about in a little bit more detail in a minute. In this office, there's a specialist team investigating rape and serious sexual offences, crimes which devastate people's lives and which so often go unpunished. At the moment, fewer than 2% of reported rapes end up with someone being charged. The police know they've been failing too many survivors. And that's why in Avon and Somerset and four other forces across the country, police are testing out a new way of doing their investigations. If you come and report to us, you will be allocated somebody that cares, that's going to take an interest in you, is going to try and take you through that process. You know, there is no victim blaming there. What these officers are doing, they say, is focusing on the suspect instead of on the victim interviewing them early, getting a sense of their previous offences and trying to get cases moving through the legal system to court much more quickly. So the suspect focus is about as early as is appropriate, as robustly as is appropriate within the confines of the law, challenging behaviours of perpetrators. From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus, an experimental approach to catching sex offenders. Lexi Topping, you're a senior news reporter for The Guardian and for years now you've been reporting on cases of rape and sexual assault and finding out why the conviction rates in this country are so low. Some police forces are testing out a new approach which they're calling Operation Soteria Bluestone. Tell us what that is. Operation Soteria was born of the rape review that was published last year, which was the first official recognition that the prosecution of rape in this country was failing and something had to change. It's a new approach to trying to prosecute rapists that is focused on the suspect in a case and not the victim in the case. Soteria was first rolled out in these five forces, which are Raven and Somerset, the Metropolitan Police, Durham, West Midlands and South Wales. From next year, it'll be in a further 14 forces. And after that, if it's deemed to be a success, the information gathered from those pilots will inform a new model and a new way of dealing with rape in England and Wales. So it's an acknowledgement, really, from the police that the way they investigate rape and serious sexual offences 
has got to change. Yeah, I think it's important to to note that Operation Satire is not just the police, in fact. It's a it's both the police and the Crown Prosecution Service working together to increase their prosecution numbers. And as you mentioned, big part of the reason that this is happening is because the government brought out a rape review in summer last year, which acknowledged that things had been going very badly wrong for several years. Can you just talk us through what was found in that rape review? The rape review really was an extraordinary piece of work. The mere culpa at the start of it was was something that I've never seen before in in a government report. Um, You know, ministers saying they were deeply ashamed, that they were deeply sorry, that victims had been let down. And, you know, the, the stats are pretty stark. They really had been let down. So in in 2016, 2017, there were about 5,000 prosecutions for rape, but that fell nearly 60% in four years. So in December 2020, there were almost 2,000 fewer rapists convicted than had been the case in 2016. Wow. So the report looked into that. It looked into what had been going wrong. It looked into the breakdown in communication between the police and the CPS And it started looking for solutions. So the rhetoric didn't necessarily match the level of funding. However, the funding that was allocated in the first report was 3.2 million for for this pilot. That has since been followed up with another 5 million's worth of funding to roll it out to the 14 forces. There's also a team of academics who have been with them right from the start training them and reviewing their progress. So the academic team in Operation Soteria are absolutely central to the workings of the entire operation. They're a group led by Betsy Stanko, who is a really experienced academic. Hey, Betsy. Hey, Betsy. How are you doing? I'm fine, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. She formerly worked in the Metropolitan Police. She's an expert on rape and sexual assault. And what they do is they take that team into the force. The force opens up their books, shows them all of the investigations that they are doing, that they have done. And the academics interview the detectives and they come back three months later and say, this is where you're going wrong. Mm-hmm. So they, they go through in really quite forensic detail, not only what what's going wrong currently, but how they can get better. And the police are describing this as a perpetrator-focused approach. What does that mean? It's a funny one, isn't it? Because you would think that investigating all crimes would be perpetrator-focused. But what Victims, victims groups and people like the Victims Commissioner have told us repeatedly over the last few years is that that hasn't been the case in rape investigations. What's actually happened is that victims have felt like they are the ones under investigation. So what Operation Soteria does is say, well, that's backwards. We don't do that for any other crime. Let's put the perpetrator at the heart of this investigation. Let's see immediately, you know, where that person was at any given time. Do they have an alibi? Let's make sure that we're making that initial interview very soon after the initial report. 
You've been speaking to Sarah Crew, who's the Chief Constable of Avon and Somerset Police, and the National Police Chief's Council Lead for Rape, which means that she understands the problems within her own force and at a national level. Let's start. Sarah, it's so good to speak to you again. This this um, interview, because it's going to be... Um... How did she reflect on what's been going wrong? I think Sarah Crew is that most rare of public leaders, one that can actually admit when things are going wrong and publicly say that this has gone wrong and we want to do it better. You know, what, what was going wrong in a, in a few bullet points? I think we were focused too much on the victim in cases. I think we, once again, they've done their, their trick, the perpetrators. We'd lost sight of them. I think cases were coming in. There were lots of cases. They were amongst a busy workload of other types of crime. You know, people would look at the crime and they would set, they would go through almost like a checklist of things that I have to do. And, you know, some of the intent, I understand. And the intent was about, well, you know, we know we're going to have to get the mobile phone download and it's going to take a long time. We know we're going to have to get the third party material from social services help. We best just start that right now because it will save time. But the minute that you start doing that, um, you start your focus necessarily on the victim and on the problems of the case and the challenges that you must overcome. And I think when we we did that, we, we were kind of preparing everything and doing everything before we actually spoke to the perpetrator. The way I describe it now is perpetrators groom. They groom their victims and they choose them. They groom their victims to make them victims and then they groom them while they are victims. And they try to influence whether they report to the police, whether they stay in the process. And they groom investigators as well. So we went along to Sarah Crew's force area in Avon and Somerset and got to spend a day with the officers who are working as part of this specialist team, Richard Horsfall, who is one of the leads on the operation, took us through the police station and then we got to sit in on their morning meeting. Okay, right. Morning, everybody. Shall we, uh, shall we crack on then? Um, a quite busy and messy night note with some stuff that we need to get on top of this morning. Uh, and there were all these cases now. coming through that they were looking into for the day. What struck you about the sorts of things that we heard in that? How urgent their work was. The morning that we were there, a case had come in overnight of two young women. Um, two under 18 females um, with a suspect in custody. So we're going to have the normal time constraints around his custody clocks um, today and potentially tomorrow. And, and the whole police machine had stepped up a gear and was immediately looking to interview the suspect that day. There were people who were getting in cars and, and driving across the area. There was an engagement officer who was dealing with the two young women. They're going to look into the victim side of things this morning with the view of getting both girls hopefully to the SARC for an examination this morning. And then above it all was Rich, who was overseeing what they were doing, checking in with them and also keeping an eye on everything else that was coming in that day. Almost every day I reflect on the decisions I'm making now and those of my team and would I have made those decisions and would the, and wider would anybody else in those or in the organisation have made those decisions and yeah I can honestly say that we are looking at things 
differently. Sometimes it won't necessarily change the result, but we are, we are opening our eyes to some of the, the traps maybe that we'd fallen into, some of the traps that CPS had fallen into. And we met a few people on the team, didn't we? We met Rich and we met Ashley as well. So my name's Ashley Lockton and I am the dedicated detective sergeant on Bluestone um, down here at Bridgewater Police Centre. And it was interesting, I thought, to hear her talk about her very personal reasons for putting herself forward to be part of this team. A member of her family circle had been the victim of domestic abuse. Um, so I've got that first-hand experience of that violence within sort of a domestic setting. And I just always try and put myself a little bit in their shoes. That if I, if this were me, who would I want to talk to about it? it that is something that was so striking to me about this Operation Soteria Bluestone is that everybody who's on that team just seemed so passionate. You know, they had volunteered. What, in simple terms, did they say is different about the way police officers in this specialist unit are investigating rape and serious sexual offences now? As well as being suspect-focused, what they also do is try and disrupt offenders. So they will check on their databases if that person is already known to police. Now, that seems like really basic policing. But that's something that campaigners have said has not been happening over recent years. So there have been suspects who have been accused of rape and may have been accused of rape on several occasions, but the dots haven't been joined and opportunities to really investigate different scenarios has been missed. In the past, you were saying that um, it could have taken eight or nine months to even interview a suspect. You know, what would that look like now under Bluestone? So if you haven't got your suspect in, you've got to have a really good reason why you've not got that suspect in early doors and got that very early account from them. So for example, the the incident we've got today, we've got two vulnerable 17-year-old girls. They've given us um, what we call throw booklets. So their first account is contained within that throw booklet. Those accounts are actually really quite detailed. It's enough for us to interview that suspect on. A few years ago, we'd be waiting. So what... Operation Bluestone Soteria officers are doing is checking databases immediately, talking to other officers within their own force, seeing if this person is also known for other offences. And if they are known for other offences and the police are building a strong case against them in rape, how can they disrupt that person? What kind of orders can they use, civil orders, to restrict their movements or restrict their contact with potential victims. And then it's also about how police engage with somebody who's made an accusation, isn't it? So within this team, they have what are called engagement officers. And the aim with that is that this will be a hopefully singular point of contact who is supporting the person making the accusation all the way through. And you get the engagement officer and they're with you from that point onwards all the way to court. Now, they might change once, maybe. 
in the ideal world they go all the way to court with them and I think that's fabulous because it gives you that or it gives that person that continuity from very beginning to the very end. Our legal system is based on the principle that somebody is innocent until they're proven guilty. And it could sound like what the police are doing here is flipping that principle. They've got to be careful in how they're applying that approach of being perpetrator-focused, haven't they? There will be people who accuse the police of being too much on the victim's side and say it's not their job to do that, it's their job to investigate a crime. What do you say to that criticism of this approach? And how do you guard against tipping the scales of justice in favour of the complainant over the defendant? To some degree, they are right. It is not our our job to believe or not to believe somebody that's saying to us it's happening. It's our job to investigate that impartially. But in terms of investigating that impartially, we need to empower people to feel confident and strong that they can trust us and that they can talk to us because that's how and where we get our best evidence from. So that allows us to investigate it properly. And on a human level, just saying you're believed is the right thing to do. Um, And I don't think we should be criticised around that because we're still going to bring ourselves back at that point of assessing the evidence that neutral position of being independent investigators in relation to it as well as spending time with the police we also went along to a place in bristol called SafeLink. and what they do at SafeLink is they support survivors of rape and sexual assault and it was there that we met this wonderful team of women called isfas now You have, throughout your reporting, spent a lot of time talking to ISFAs across the country. Can you just explain for people what they do? ISFAs are completely crucial to a rape survivor's experience of the whole process that they go through in the criminal justice system. They are the person who will give them advice about their rights They will listen to them. They will organise counselling for them if that's necessary. They'll act as the liaison point quite often between the police and the victim. They are crucial in also making sure that victims stay engaged with the process and feel like they're being listened to. And the ISFAs that we met, they've been in this job for many years and they told us about the frustrations, and they were they were quite blunt about it, the frustrations that they've had in trying to deal with the police before this new pilot had come into place. The communication was a massive, massive issue. It was a yeah, it was, it was lacking massively. Was there a kind of you know combative relationship between the police? Did it feel like sometimes you were at odds with them? One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it did. You almost felt like you were a nuisance because you were constantly trying to get in contact with them, constantly emailing them. You know they'd, they'd read the email. I found it quite astounding to hear things like one of the women there called Jo. She was saying that in the past, when they've been trying to get through to the police to find out what's happening with one of their clients' cases, they didn't have a specific officer whose number they could call. They were told to call 101. Okay, so we can't just call up an officer. No, you can't do that. You need to go through 101. You need to find their extension number. You need to... And it was She also talked about people being told that their case was being dropped, no further actioned, 
by text. But they said that since Operation Soteria Bluestone has come into place, things have improved. Do you think that this should be rolled out? 100%. Throughout the rest of the country. Like I think everybody, yeah, it should be everywhere. Why not? Why not? It, it's working. I'll stand on a podium out there and tell everybody it's working, because it is. It's working. I've always loved Bluestone. They're the best thing that's happened. Also, in terms of the success rate, there seem to be some signs from them that since this pilot has come into place, their caseload is is improving, right? I remember you talking to Tina about that. My caseload, the only just this year alone, I've had 15 charges since January. 15 charges? Yeah. I mean, I've heard of... I've heard of police forces with 15 charges in a whole year no. for the whole force. I've had 15 since January. That's astonishing. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm astonished. don't know I'm going to fit it all in. <laughs> <laughs> the numbers are still tiny. We know we can't forget that. Yeah. I spoke to the data lead there at Avon and Somerset and he told me that they've doubled their charge rate. But they've doubled it from 2.5% to 5%. You know, that's still 95% of reported rapes that aren't being charged. And he recognised, he said, we've got nothing to shout about here. You know, it's better. This is green shoots, but we can't be proud of a thing like that. And also in the room with us was a woman who we're calling Rosie. We talked to her probably for almost two hours She has made an allegation of rape against a former partner. She was really forthright in talking about it, but she didn't feel comfortable being recorded on tape for the podcast. So Rosie had lived in a different police force area um, and had been a victim of domestic abuse for, for a long time. She had gone to police on five or six occasions and had experienced really poor treatment in her view at their hands. Then she had moved and after much deliberation, she decided to come forward and report a historic rape to officers in Bristol. And when she first came forward with that allegation, I just couldn't believe what what I was hearing, what she was telling us about her experience of that, that she went into the police station and said... I've come to report a rape. And she had to do that in the station waiting area, in the reception area. Nobody should have to tell their story of being raped in a public place with other people in the room. But what Rosie did tell us is that despite that negative first experience, when an officer did call her back, she felt supported, she felt listened to. And that the contact she's had with that detective ever since has been really frequent. So she had really nothing bad to say about the officers at Avon and Somerset, despite her first initial experience. Yeah, I just remember her saying they seemed so unpolicey. They they behaved like humans to her and they treated her like a human. And I and I think for many victims, going through the criminal justice system is dehumanizing. So to have someone who treats you like a human, I think is, it shouldn't be unusual, but I think has been unusual far too many times in the past. 
What also struck me about Rosie was that I remember her also saying if she hadn't had those dedicated officers checking in with her, she probably would have given up. Coming up, how well is this new approach working? And how will it change policing across the country? Lexi, in terms of assessing how well this pilot scheme's going, you've been speaking to Betsy Stanko, one of the academics who's working with the police and the CPS on this. How does she feel things have been going in those five pilot areas, including Avon and Somerset, where we went? Betsy is, in the best possible way, a battle axe. She has seen it all. She has been through every iteration of investigating rape and sexual offences. So she is hesitant to say there's been a transformation. She says to me, I'd like to say there's been a transformation, but I'd need a magic wand for that. What I will say is that there's traction. So she thinks that people are listening, that in some forces, they're really getting it. Avon and Somerset are the force where obviously it was piloted first they they all, they had a head start. Mm-hmm. I've heard rumblings amongst um, experts in the field who won't want to be named that other forces have been more resistant, more resistant to being told where their failings are and more worried that their failings will be put out in the public domain. Well, they need to be interested, don't they? Because after these first five pilots, it's being rolled out to a, a further 14 forces. That's right. right. Then with the aim next summer of kind of changing the national approach to how rape and serious sexual offences are investigated. What could be some of the hurdles to that happening? Money, obviously. And one of the real challenges I think will be that there has to be buy-in from the people at the top and they all have to work together. They don't actually have a very good track record of that. What Betsy Stanko is saying is that, well, we're not there yet, but for the first time in a long time, there is hope. You've been reporting in this area for such a long time and you've been there through, I can imagine, quite a lot of hopeless moments. How did it feel to you going along for those few days? How did it feel to you in the context of everything you've reported on before? It was really emotional, actually, because... I have reported on this for a long time. I really do care about it. And I have found it very difficult when every update of figures that has come out, you can see the figure dropping again and again and again. So to go somewhere where they were not only acknowledging that, but also in really practical ways, taking steps to address it was, without sounding twee, quite inspiring. I think there are people in positions of power who really want it to be better. Lexi, thank you very much. Thank you. If you've been affected by rape or sexual assault, help is available. You can call Rape Crisis on 0808 802 9999. 
Samaritans are also available to talk whatever you're going through. You can call them on 116-123 or email joe, that's J-O, at samaritans.org. I produced this episode alongside Natalie Kitena and Eva Krishiak. Sound design was by Solomon King. The executive producer was Elizabeth Cassin. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Thank you.